Hello, I'm Bill English, and I want to welcome you today to Profiles in Stewardship, where I have conversations with business owners about how they integrate their role as business leaders with their faith in Jesus Christ. Today, I'm talking with Kirby Spike, an upper-level manager who worked for over a dozen bosses in his 30-plus years at 3M in St. Paul, Minnesota. Kirby has deep experience working for difficult bosses and working in a multi-ethnic, multi-religious environment. I'll talk with Kirby about a wide range of issues, including how to work for a difficult boss and how to stay faithful to Christ when you work with people who have widely different religious beliefs than you do. I hope you'll find our conversation helpful and encouraging. So I'll invite you to sit back, uh, grab a cup of coffee, and learn from Kirby Spike in this Profiles in Stewardship episode. And good morning. I'm Bill English, the publisher here at Bible and Business. Bible and Business exists to help Christians in business integrate their leadership role with their faith uh, in Jesus Christ. And we do this to understand all that the Bible says about owning and leading in business. So I want to thank you for joining us today. Today's episode is part of an ongoing series titled Profiles in Stewardship. These interviews are intended to illustrate what Christian stewardship looks like in the real world for Christian business owners and leaders who lead in business. So from time to time, I talk with business leaders about how they integrate their role uh, with their Christian faith. These Profiles in Stewardship interviews are unscripted. I only do one take. I don't go back and edit them and they are hosted on the Bible and Business YouTube channel. So today I'm talking with Kirby Spike on the topic of Christians who work for difficult bosses in multicultural environments. Now look, difficult bosses are everywhere. They exist in business, ministry, churches, politics, sports, and elsewhere. In her book, My Boss is a Jerk, Kathleen Rayo uh, describes difficult bosses as insecure, childish, selfish, dictatorial, and egocentric. In more extreme situations, these bosses can be rightly thought of as narcissistic. Difficult bosses violate known rules of civility for their own purposes. They often live in a world of damaged relationships. They mistreat others through verbal abuse, anger, intimidation, humiliation, or superiority. And when they're not in control, they may become anxious and tense because they can have an even greater fear of failure. These difficult bosses are usually gifted individuals with a track record of success, even though they may have a wake of hurting and damaged individuals. Business and ministry leaders often look the other way in quiet trade-off decisions between the success difficult bosses bring to the organization and the damage these people do to their direct reports. Some days, perhaps most days, they're really good to work with. But even if the ratios are 95 good times to 5% bad times, the 5% can outweigh the good times. Kirby has experienced working for difficult bosses. Kirby is a former IT director for 3M in St. Paul. He was responsible for a number of things, like setting up and overseeing global IT service centers in Poland and Costa Rica, in the Philippines. Uh, he has deep experience in IT governance and strategic planning, as well as Six Sigma. And he also managed vendors 
and uh, did a lot of program management as well. Kirby spent over 30 years working at 3M, but in addition to his work at 3M, he served as an elder in his church, has led small groups, and participated in mission trips to Haiti, Romania, and Liberia. So Kirby, welcome to Profiles in Stewardship and Bible and Business. Well, thanks, Bill. It's an honor to talk with you. And uh, full disclosure, my wife and Kirby went to college together. We won't say how long ago that was. So um, housekeeping, a couple of housekeeping things. First of all, we do have chat services. So if you're watching, you can enter uh, in the either the YouTube or the Facebook UI. There should be a way to enter a comment or a question. That will show up here at our end, and we'll be happy to incorporate your comments or your questions. <clears throat> Secondly, I have a screen to my left, and sometimes I need to look at that screen. So if I turn away doesn't mean that I'm not listening to Kirby. It just means that I'm looking up something on my screen, or if I look down, I'm taking notes. So with that, let's go ahead and get started, Kirb. Um, we wanted to start today because you've worked for some really great bosses and some really difficult bosses. You've been all over the map on this. Um, how do you have a servant mindset as a Christian when you're working for a difficult boss? Well, I think we have to know who our real boss is to begin with, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And even when you have difficult bosses, you're serving him and you're mm -hmm. serving the boss that you work for. And uh, that's part of your witness in the workplace. And were there any particular scriptures that you relied on that, that kind of that kind of helped you in that way? Well, I go back to Mark 10, verses 43 to 45, uh, which basically says, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you want to be a servant of all. And I think that servant mindset is so important in the workplace because a company serves its, com its, its uh, customers. A company serves the shareholders. Uh, as an employee, you serve the company. So service is... Mm -hmm really painted through every aspect of business. Yeah, it really is. And uh, the here and now, what, what's going through my head is that the here and now often takes, um, not precedent, but also just becomes all that we can see. Yeah, we're serving Jesus, but Jesus isn't physically here with us. And so we see the boss in front of us, and that's that's our whole here and now. And yet what you're saying is um, uh, serving Christ in the marketplace by serving your boss, whether they're a great boss or a bad boss, serving the shareholders, that's really part of serving Christ. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think God gives us assignments in life, and we don't know what those are all the time. And I've gotten on that kind of an assignment theme lately. Um, because there are times in my life when I've really felt called to certain situations mm -hmm. and obeyed that call. There are times when it was a human call and I didn't listen to God and I saw the difference of how those two calls manifested themselves. But, you know, I think the call in the workplace is to serve. Yeah. How do you discern, so I'm going to bunny trail with you for just a moment since you brought it up. How do you discern God's call? How do you discern between a human call and God's call for you? And I'm not saying this is going to be normative for everybody, but for you. 
I think uh, when God calls me, he just gnaws away at me and it keeps circulating <laughs> through what he wants me to be doing in a way that I can't ignore. You know, I, <laughs> I don't, I, I, I'm not saying that I'm the most perceptive person when it comes to God, but, but I can think of instances where he just called me into something and said, you need to take action or you need to do something. Yeah. And it, it becomes easier to do the difficult things when you know that God has called you. If you're doing it out of your own effort, it becomes a lot more difficult to do those things. Did I, did I say that right? It becomes less difficult if God has called you more difficult if yeah. you're doing it out of yourself. Yeah. And the other thing I would say, being, I always say I'm in the fourth quarter of life now, you know, if you think of it as a, right. as a game, um, it's easier to do that the older you get because of all the experiences you've accumulated along the way. I think you're more, yeah. I think you develop a great perceptiveness. And um, also, I would say, your willingness to confront difficult situations gets easier. Because you know you don't you know the situation isn't going to go away unless you take action. That's interesting. Easier to confront the older we get. Huh. I think some of that too is, you know, you don't have as much time left. So if you don't deal with it, you might run out of time. <laughs> <laughs> or it might run you out of time. It could be. It could be. Yeah. So difficult bosses, you, you, you sent me a list of bosses. I'm not going to read them because that would probably be a little bit much. But the way that I, de I describe difficult bosses after reading the matrix that you sent me of all the kinds of bosses you've worked for, I feel like my description is too narrow. Sometimes the difficulty in the boss is that they're immature and they can't make decisions. Yeah. Or the difficulty in the boss is that, is that there are cultural differences or something like that. Can you... Yeah. Speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously I, I started out out of college and my first boss was, a, you know, like a supervisor early in their career. And at the end, I was working for executive VPs who reported to the CIO or CEO. And, um, you know, early on, you might be working for somebody that you'll be their boss someday. And you have yeah. to recognize that they aren't equipped the same way as a fully mature supervisor or whatever. But as you go on and work for the senior executives, they have a different burden there they carry. And I think always with a boss, you have to put yourself in their shoes and say, what are they up against? What are their problems? Because as a, as a direct report, I'm here to do a job and to make my boss's life easier. Mm -hmm. And I've seen cases where people go and ask their boss what to do all the time. And if you have to ask your boss what to do, you're probably not the right person for the job because you, you as an individual are the expert and you need to carry that forward and keep them informed. So there's mm -hmm. a distinction there where I've seen people stumble working for different types of bosses who expect leadership out of their direct reports. 
Yeah, I think there's a difference. I, For lack of a better term, I define the difference between a leader and a manager. The manager can point out what's wrong with a, pro, a situation, but they can't come up with solutions. Leaders yeah. can. Leaders yeah. come up with solutions. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious. So, so now, I, now I want to kind of rummage around in this for, and I know this isn't on our list of questions, but that's sure. because I'm creative this way. Um, what, so let's, I want to go both sides of this. What was it about, what were some of the characteristics of bosses that you had that were really great bosses? Sure. You had some great ones. And then I want to, I want to do the other side of direct reports, but let's start with that. What were some things in your, in the really good bosses that you had? What were some of their characteristics? Um, I think they had an incredible ability to listen and understand. Um, this, this one I think of in particular, uh, she, she, you left the meetings with her feeling better than when you came in, you know, they, they, they filled you with energy and excitement and, and they understood the challenges. They challenged you back, um, in an, you know, in a motivating way. Um, so I think motivating, listening, uh, thinking strategic, um, focused on making things work. Those were some of the characteristics I would say are important were indicative of that particular person. Yeah. And so if you're a Christian leading in business, or if you're a, a Christian business owner, you need to hear some of what Kirby just said, because um, we need to be people who listen, be quick to hear, slow to speak, right? Quick to hear, mm -hmm. slow to speak. That's that passage from James. And, and slow to anger and and then challenge in a motivating way um, I, I have a phrase that I have picked up in the last year Kirby and I've, I'm now using it quite a bit and it's it's be tough on the issues and soft on people mm -hmm. so that so that you can draw the people in and help them become part of the solution but if we just pound on people and blame uh, we don't we're not going to get anywhere so challenging in a motivating way, listening and understanding, helping them feel better, leaving them when they came in. All those things in my mind are kind of the soft on people, but we got to be really tough on the process, really tough on the issue. And let's come together to, to fix this problem that we have sitting in front of us. Mm -hmm. So the other side of that coin then is direct reports. Describe what went on inside of you when a direct report took time to understand what you, how you were being measured and took some time to help you accomplish your goals? Sure. Yeah, those are, well, I think of, I think of different people that worked for me and you learn about bosses and you learn about direct reports equally in different ways. You learn from good bosses and bad bosses, how to treat your people. Sure. And and then the people that work for you, um, you know, you know better how to hire the ones that are going to make a difference. My strategy in hiring people is always to find people that are better than me at what they do. You know, at, at yeah. what I do. Right. Um, you know, I. Yes, I have some technical skills. Yes, I have some management skills. But I am nothing without a good team. And so I really put the effort into assembling the team that could be successful and sometimes helping those people to, you know, to the next step. 
I looked at uh, people that work for me and their development is my job is to open doors, but I can't make them go through the doors of opportunity, but I can make sure they're presented. Um, so, you know, encouraging them, um, them taking initiative, I thought was one of the things I valued most because mm. uh, if, if they can solve the problem, it's something I don't worry about then. Um, and then I can go on to other things and manage those. So I think that that taking initiative, owning the problems or the challenges they have, coming to me for advice or support, but not to solve the problem. You know, I can solve the problem, but if I dive in and solve that problem, I can't do these other things over here. Even on that list of things that you uh, talked about that I was responsible for in my last job, I didn't do all those things. That was within my domain of what I managed, but I wasn't, okay. the, I wasn't the expert on acquisitions and divestitures and vendor management and strategic planning and all of those things. I had people that did that, but my job was to support and lead them through that but give them, you know, the opportunity to really grow in those roles and help them succeed. So you're, um, and in doing so, you're growing them. You're growing their professional skills, their professional development, so that they can one day maybe take your place as you yep. move on to something else. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I have found uh, that when I'm when I'm trying to grow management teams. Of course, now I'm, I'm in a little bit of a different situation, but uh, as the CEO of a healthcare company, but what I tell my management teams is I try to get through a day without making any decisions because I want them making all the decisions. Absolutely. And then I tell them, bring me, the CEO, the most crappy, horrible decisions that everybody's going to be mad at. The board's not going to like it. The staff isn't going to like it. The patients aren't going to like it. Everybody's going to be mad. Give those to me. I'll, I'll make those decisions and I'll take the arrows kind of thing. That's and leadership. what that is, what's that? It's leadership. <laughs> leadership is. <laughs> yeah. Leading is not a lot of fun sometimes. I'll tell you, it's just, it's just not. But, but what you do is when you keep pushing those decisions out to your management team or to your staff, you're actually helping them grow if they will trust you enough to come in and process what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. They need, well, let's know move got their, they need to know you've got your their back. That's yes. what yes. yeah. yeah, I I tell I tell uh the staff that I have in the home office that uh, um I will always defend you in public and in private may not be so much, but I'm never gonna diss you or throw you under the bus mm -hmm. uh, in front of a patient or in front of somebody else on the staff. I'm just not gonna do that. We don't we don't do that here, is the phrase mm -hmm. I use. We don't do that here. So I'm talking with Kirby Spike, a former IT director at uh, 3M in St. Paul. Um, Kirby, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you uh, and just ask you some additional questions or whatever, how would they do that? How sure, sure. I'd be glad to share my email address. It's krspike, S-P-I-K-E, at gmail.com. All right, krspike at gmail. That's easy. Yeah. I, I, um, I have always enjoyed mentoring people and helping people talk through problems. And, you know, if there's people I can help, I'm happy to do it. 
And so uh, Kirby was the guy who introduced me to Ken Larson, who's uh, the founder of Slumberland, who uh, I interviewed last week. We actually had uh, dinner at the table that you're sitting at there. So, I And that was, that. One of those, that was one of those God-prompting things we talked about early. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just like there's a dot over here and a dot over here, and these two guys need to talk. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, let's move on. How to manage and maintain your faith in a multicultural, multi-faith work environment. 3M, I bet, had a truckload of different faiths and a truckload of different values, personally, people. And uh, just rummage in that area for a little bit. How did you work with your Christian witness in relation to a, a number of other people who had a number of different faith walks? Yeah, I I would have to say it's easier than you think. And the ways that it's easier is, you know, in the casual talk you have with people, you just talk about what did I do this weekend? Well, we went to church or we went here and there. Um, one of the things when I took some of those mission trips, I talked about it. And one of them, I actually blogged and I said, look, if you guys want to read my blog about this, here it is. You don't have to, but you can. And people read it. And so it's a way to, to not force it on people, but let them know who you are. You know, that's, sure. that's who I am. And that's a part of me I can share. Um, I don't get um, preachy in the workplace. You know, I just let it flow out of who I am as a, a, a man of faith uh, in the, you know, the actions I take people, people know that uh, the, the one person who I would call kind of the superstar boss I had in my career uh, drives by our church when they go into the Twin Cities. And she always said, well, that's Kirby's church. Because in your annual performance appraisal, you know, you were encouraged to talk about things you did outside, outside the, of work, too, that are leadership-oriented. So I'd put that stuff on there and, you know, it's a way to, to just tell your boss who you are. Uh, when I came to 3M, uh, where I met your wife, Bill, Kathy was through InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Yeah, and, she was. Um, I put on my resume, you know, for applying at 3M that I was a small group leader in InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Well, it happened to be that the guy that hired me was the son of a pastor. So oh. I don't, <laughs> you know, sometimes those little things can open doors. I don't, you know, I'm sure it was more than that. But, you know, I always think we're, we're in the business of planting seeds as Christians. And those are some of the seeds you plant. Um, so I, I think I, be who you are, you know. Yeah. And, and I, I like that be who you are. Most of us are not evangelists. Most of mm -hmm. us do not go into the world. You know, it's not like we get on the airplane in Minneapolis and we're flying to Los Angeles. And by the time we land, the whole cabin has been led to Christ. Right. It's, right. You know, um, that's, that's, that's not who I am, but I am the things that I did at work and the behaviors that I had. Um, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't perfect all the time by for sure i'm very human but the fact that people could see some of those things is my way of planting seeds 
And did you ever find that people of other faith tried to share their faith with you in a in a evangelistic or conversion way? Um, no, no. In fact, it was kind of interesting because I, I thought it was ironic where the Hindu guy from from India is wishing me Merry Christmas at a time at workplace where you, you weren't supposed to say Merry Christmas. You know, you're supposed uh-huh. to say Happy Holidays. He says Merry Christmas. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I had a Jehovah's Witness work for me, um, you know, different things. And um, you you tiptoe around things, I suppose, a little bit, but I never right. found it to really be a huge issue or problem. Hmm. Yeah. I uh, and and I've always been cognizant in the workplace of the power imbalance in inherent in the employer employee manager direct report relationship, and so I am hesitant to share my faith uh, in in the company that I lead precisely because I think uh, other than maybe one maybe two people who would have the backbone to tell me to be quiet. Everybody else would sit there and politely nod, nod and they would just yeah. put up with it. And then they would go on and think, you know, why is he talking about this? Um, and so I, I'm able to use my God talk in a natural way like you did. Um, I don't let that go. But in terms of trying to share the gospel with other people, I don't think it's shared well when there's a power imbalance in, mm. the, in the relationship at work. Yeah. It's something you really have to be careful with, I think. I think so, too. Um, So we're talking with Kirby Spike, a former IT director at 3M in St. Paul. You can get a hold of Kirby at krspike, S-P-I-K-E, at at gmail.com. Also want you to know that uh, we have some both YouTube and Facebook uh, watchers right now, people who are, are watching, you can use the chat services in either of those user interfaces. If you want to ask a question or make a comment, that will show up here at this end, and we can incorporate uh, what you are um, thinking or wanting to ask. We can do that live here while we're doing it. So um, professional development, you had to live overseas for a few years. So rummage around in the area of how Christians, uh, A, how they professionally develop, and B, why professional development is important for Christians, and and just share with us some of your experiences there. Well, first of all, I had the opportunity to work overseas. I didn't have to do it. <laughs> oh, really? I thought, I thought at 3M, in order to get above a certain level on the corporate ladder, you had to have a few years overseas somewhere. <laughs> It helps. It helps. <laughs> but, you you know, you have a certain amount of choice. Um, I think from career development, um, I'll tell you just a little story. You know, when when I went, I went to school up at, at St. Cloud State University in central Minnesota, and I got a job through kind of a, a teacher who was teaching a, a night class at right. a local, local company. And I learned a certain, I was an IT, so I learned a certain technology. Had to When I interviewed for the job, I had to go to the library to look up what they meant because I had no Google. There was no Google to say, what is this? So I get the job. I worked there uh, almost two years. And then um, 
my wife and I graduated at the same time, um, and we decided let's move to the Twin Cities because there's more job opportunities. So I ended up getting the job at 3M at that time. And um, I got the job because I put that that University of Christian Fellowship leadership <laughs> thing on my resume, but also I had uh, a lot of experience with a technology that 3M was just getting into. So I think that was the carrot that, that was got me the job there. Certainly wasn't my GPA because I'm not a, I wasn't a great college performer. Let's put it that way. And uh, so I did that job for about four and a half years. And my mindset was that, boy, my world, I can go to any company in the Twin Cities and I know this technology and, you know, it's, it's really great. Well, then I had an opportunity to do a different job, which meant throwing away that five, six years of expertise mm -hmm. and going into something new. And I thought, boy, I hope that's the right thing to do. I did it. And all my peers thought I was nuts, but it was the best thing I ever did. And oh, really? the, the pattern for um, how I approached work in you know the rest of my life. And what I realized is that my value was in me as a person, not in necessarily specific technology I knew. So, I so you're doing you're you're doing something on your desk that just muffled your microphone. So, oh, I'm sorry, I moved the paper there. I'll okay. fix that. How's that? But, <laughs> but I. I uh, so I, I went out or branched off, did this totally new thing. Well, that led to then another three years later branching off and doing another totally new thing. Right. And you build kind of a reputation of here's a guy who can take on new things and make them work mm -hmm. and, and learn. And that was a proving ground for me too, to just develop the confidence to say, it's not what I know, it's how I interact with people and my ability mm -hmm. to learn and, and those types of things. So that kind of got in, you know, I suppose at that age I would have called it a risk take, you know, taking a risk. Sure. But uh, eventually uh, that became a pattern of uh, seeing opportunity. Mm -hmm. So, then, you know, going and working in Europe for that amount of time and, and coming back and having a variety of different jobs just was the way I grew my career, just proving myself in many different, you know, work situations. Learning a new technology, kind of going from A to B and then being successful with B, that's a whole skill set in itself. Yeah. But it's not a skill set you can learn in a book. You have to just do it. You have to do it. Times. You know, I look back at, at college and say, well, what did that teach me? It taught me fundamentals. Right. But the reality is everything I did at work, I had to learn. It was a new learning experience. Yeah. And, and I think for me, being in a technology field, I had some less introverted characteristics than my peers. So that allowed me to branch out and do some things that involved people that was different than maybe the people I was competing against in the workplace. Sure. So yeah, when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to technology, I kind of did stuff maybe the first five to 10 years. And then after that, 
you talk about technology conceptually, but you don't really touch it. Right. You're not actually in the UI doing configurations or implementations or anything. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 No, you know, um, and and you mentioned your average GPA in college. Mine was very average too. It was, Mm -hmm. and I, I had kind of the bad attitude, frankly. And I remember saying this to people, I get the same degree, whether I have a two, five or a four Oh, and, um, that didn't serve me well. Uh, but if you were to go to look at the Fortune 500 CEOs, you would find that fully half of them in college had a 2.5 or lower GPA. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. GPA does not indicate your ability to be successful in business. That's right. That's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I had to laugh because I was IT and corporate marketing for a while. And I was, I had a lot of uh, manufacturing plants under my domain in my production management class and my marketing and class in college weren't my shining stars for grades. (laughs) (laughs) But I managed to work for a fortune, you know, 100 company that, that uh, had, a hundred manufacturing plants in the U S and I, I, I was responsible for half of them. So <laughs> isn't, that, <laughs> isn't that something? <laughs> oh, she's so I have found professional development with Christians. Uh, I, and, and, and I shouldn't say this is Christian. This is just people in general, but Christians fall into this camp. Uh, a number of people develop just enough to do the job. And then, and then they, they're done Mm -hmm. and they get really scared when they're asked to either have a job enlargement or expand their job duties, or we want you to take on this new job. I think a number of people just shy away because it's just, they just don't want to be bothered with it. Or it's just in their minds, it's too difficult to, uh, upgrade my skills, that kind of thing. And, um, uh, I'm not sure that that's what Christ desires professionally for his people. I think he desires us to keep abounding. You see that phrase in the New Testament over and over, keep growing in, keep abounding in, you know, keep becoming, so to speak, in in various things. And I think um, I, w- I would like to see Christians do more with their own skill sets and push themselves more so that they have more credibility in the marketplace and can be thought of as people who are kind of the go-to people. Uh, and that then that, that then reflects well on our faith. I, I'm kind of monologuing here, but just wanted to want to get your take on that. Just a comment there is, is a reflect on different people that work for me, different people I work for. People work for different reasons. You they know, do, don't they? That's right. It, yeah, it might be a person is just trying to hang on and survive. They've got a sick spouse, or they're a single parent, or yeah, whatever, and they want a job that just provides for their needs, and they don't have the bandwidth or energy to really push in further than doing that job, and. Others may be at the peak of their capability. Um, But, you know, I think all of us are wired a little differently in terms of how far we want to pursue things. 
That doesn't mean you can be in a job that's at the top of your career potential and just do really, really good at that. There's that's totally honorable in my opinion. Sure. But, but I just, I just take, make a mental note when I looked at people to say, what, what, what is their situation? It's always helpful, whether it's a boss or an employee to try to sit in their shoes and look at the world from what they're, what, you know, the cards they're dealt in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right about that. The, because the personal life does bleed into the professional life, right? I mean, who we are at home dictates a lot of who we are at work. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's, that's good. Um, The the problem I had sometimes is, you know, sometimes you push and you challenge people, but finding that, you know, not having them break under the, under the push or in the encouragement, you have to be sensitive to that too. And, you know, I had cases where I thought somebody had potential to do more, but they just didn't want it, you know, and they ended up retiring early. You know, they, they had, had enough of the work workplace and, Mm-hmm. It's people are motivated differently. I don't want to get off on motivation, although I think that's an interesting topic. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's move along. And my questions went away, and I don't know why. So I'm going to find my mouse here and bring them back up. Here we go. Uh, managing conflict. Let's talk about managing conflict for just a moment. I perceived you as a guy who really knew how to manage conflict. Well, I never worked with you or for you, Mm -hmm. although I did work at 3M for just, I don't know, eight or nine months. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, managing conflict, can you, how do you, how do you do that well in the marketplace? Well, you don't always do it well. Sometimes you screw it up, but, um, you know, I think, um, I think talking, not avoiding it is the most important thing. You know, sometimes you have to have the conflict to, to work out the problem that's occurring. And if you, if you ignore the conflict, it tends to fester and develop into something worse. So, so that's where I, I mentioned earlier, I think the older I got, I was more willing to confront issues. And sometimes those were issues of conflict. And it's hard, but it's better to address them than to let them sit. That was always kind of my my opinion. Get past them. So if you have a conflict with a difficult boss, um, how do you how do you approach a boss? And, uh, especially one that's, you know, that when you bring it up, it's going to be volatile. It's not going to be pleasant and it is easier just to avoid it much easier. Sure. So for example, I'm going to talk very frankly here. Here's a situation. I thought my boss had a really dumb idea. This is me. (laughs) This is is a dumb idea. And my, my strategy, because this was a, a boss that was, a fairly high ego. And instead of going in and sitting down with him and saying, you know, I think you're wrong. I went in and said, 
you know, help me understand where you're coming from on this because maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe, you know, let's talk through this and tell me why you're, you want to do this versus that. And, um, it's a non-confrontational way of getting dialogue on the table. So I have the freedom to bring up my ideas and I understand that other person better and where they're coming from. So what I may have, so if I thought my boss had a dumb idea, it was a way to kind of talk through that with them in a non-confrontational way. And did that work for you? Yeah. Yeah. It worked. Huh? Yeah. That's a I good think, idea. I think another thing um, <laughs> early in my career, when people, I it was kind of in this consulting mode on the software product and people would come and I, I thought that was really dumb. I would always say, Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and the people sitting around kind of picked kind of picked up on that, you know, say that's interesting rather than saying this is really stupid or what you know, there's just different ways to approach thing things to respect the other person and to still get to the bottom of the problem. Yeah. Two good approaches. Help me understand if you want to approach somebody about an idea that you don't agree with yeah. or a situation. And the other one is when they bring up something that you don't agree with, well, help me understand, or uh, that's it's interesting. Kind of the same and it's thing. Still, it still helped me understand, right? Yeah. It's all about listening, you know, and in one case, it's listening to a boss to hear them talk it through. Another case, it's listening to somebody you're helping or a, a direct report and letting them talk it through. But those those strategies worked for me. That was that was helpful. Okay. Yeah. No, that's that's good. So you're retired now from 3M, but you're still busy. Tell us what you're doing these days, and uh, and what are you doing to further the kingdom? Well, I'm collecting grandchildren, so that <laughs> that's been way fun. Uh, the oldest two are turning seven, and the the sixth one is in the hopper right now, due out in July. So that that has been, I think, one of the gifts of life. Um, you know, it's it's. I want to. Say, I don't know if it's more fun than having your old kids, but it's a lot of fun. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and you spend time, and they're old enough. Julie and I like to. Uh, do some RVing, so we've taken the, the oldest one on a little trip, and you know that's quite fun. Um, we're doing we're doing a fair amount of travel. Um, I think the other thing um, we I've been able to do is just go deeper in my faith in in Bible study because I don't have the boundaries of time that are so severe. You know, sure, uh, sure. Uh, the last job I had. You know, at 3M, you're working in a global environment. I'd have a call at 7 in the morning and at 9 at night, and I'd be at work during the day. And it got to be, you know, fitting other things in. And, you know, we didn't have kids at home, so it was easier to do at that time. Right. But um, now, uh, you know, my tip, tip, I usually get up before my wife, and I make the coffee, and I have breakfast, and then I go and sit down and do my quiet time and, it might last 20 minutes or it might last two hours. 
It just yeah. depends on what I got have going that day, but it's giving me some freedom to go a little deeper and, and to understand my faith better. So that's important. Um, um, I'm doing some typical retiree things too. Like I, I like to golf. So I just got back from a golf trip in Florida with three other guys and, and that's fun. And we're leaving again on Tuesday for another trip. So yeah, like I don't, uh, I know, know you're outside, right? I know you're never going to retire, but <laughs> I've heard you well, say that. I, I don't plan to retire anytime soon. You know, I'm 62 at the time of yeah. this recording, but I don't plan to retire anytime yeah. soon. Um, you just do different things. You do different things and you have more time to do it. You know, um, I'm going to show this real quick. Uh, by the way, uh, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, you're welcome for them to to contact you and maybe ask a few questions. Oh, absolutely. And um, so you can get a hold of Kirby at krspike, S-P-I-K-E, Kirby Spike, krspike at gmail.com. And I know he would be, he would enjoy um, uh, dialoguing with you and, um, you know, we're, we're recording this in uh, March of 2023, but if it's March of 2025 or 2026 and you're watching this, uh, you're more than welcome to get a hold of Kirby, uh, although he may be on a golf trip in Florida and you may have to wait a few few weeks for him to respond. So I do, I do want to emphasize the fact that I am very open to that. It's one of the things I have a passion for. I just got off a video conference with a person from Poland yesterday, kind of talking about next jobs and those types of things. It's just something I like to do, so I'm happy to do it. Good, good. Thank you for making yourself available. If you are a manager in business, I'm just going to push this up here for just a second. Uh, I would invite you to take a look at my book, Biblical Wisdom for Business Leaders, 30 Sayings from Proverbs. Uh, and if you're a business owner, I would encourage you to pick up my book, A Christian Theology of Business Ownership, an introduction for Christian entrepreneurs and what the Bible says about owning a business. And so both of those you can get at Amazon or at really most online retailers, and you can also learn more about them at my site, Bible and Business. So Kirby, I just want to thank you for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure to uh, talk with you. And uh, do you have any last uh, thoughts uh, for those who will be watching this? Um, you know, I just, I, I think in the workplace, whether it's working with your boss or working with peers or other employees, be yourself, let your faith show it through in the way that's right for you. Um, and know that God has something special in mind. That's, that's excellent. Excellent advice. Well, thank you for joining us today. I am Bill English, the publisher here at Bible and Business. Uh, we will be doing another profile in stewardship, I think in about three weeks. Uh, in that one, we're going to work with Rob Murphy out of Huntsville, Alabama, and his wife. He owns a staffing agency in Huntsville, Alabama. His, those two and my wife and I are going to hop on a call and because we're both business owners and both entrepreneurs, we're going to talk about how God has provided miraculously for us 
during really difficult times when when the businesses weren't doing so well, how God provided financially. And we're just going to share testimonies and stories. And instead of it being an interview style, it's going to be more of a of a back and forth telling stories and really encouraging everyone on God's sovereignty and provision uh, for his people. So until we meet again, uh, thank you for joining us. Be sure to head out to BibleandBusiness.com and take a look at all the podcasts or look at all the blogs and listen to all the podcasts and other resources that I have for both business owners and business leaders. I want to thank you for joining Kirby and I today. I hope you found our conversation helpful as you grow in your faith in Jesus Christ. If you'd like to speak with me, just send me an email at bill at bibleandbusiness.com. I would enjoy connecting with you and talking through some of your most difficult situations. I hope you'll join us again for another Bible and Business Profiles and Stewardship podcast. So until then, may God richly bless you as you serve him today. Take care.